Hello and welcome to Attention to Detail, the podcast for days fans, by days fans, as we hold on for dear life aboard the roller coaster ride that is barracking for the Melbourne Football Club. This episode is proudly brought to you by our sponsors, Hop In Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. My name is Tim, and I'm joined, as always, each and every week by my co-host Simo, mate. How are you doing? What's happening? Days footy. Days footy. Back to it. Back to our best. And I think, yeah, a couple of players really, really stood out for me this week. And some players that probably haven't been doing their best to, yeah, really get back to their best was great to see. I want to touch on too. He's you know, bring up our sponsors as, you know, as we're really, really appreciative of what they do. Um, I was actually able to have our sponsor come out to my house and put a new PowerPoint in the garage. So yeah, that's locked me, locked and loaded me for my laundry to get, to go through the next phase of development, which would be good. And um, yeah, had Ryan from Valley Electrical Group come out and uh, yeah, do the job super quick, super professional. So awesome. yeah, get onto it, these fans. Uh, a little bit of news happened before the game on Saturday afternoon. So we mm. had... Clayton Oliver, probably a bit of a surprise to a lot of D's fans. Like not out of contract until the end of next year, but signed a huge seven-year extension, keeping him at the club up until the end of season 2030, which is huge. Like man. It's huge. even <laughs> to say that year out loud sounds crazy, but yeah, you're 40, aren't you? Oh, Hang on, 45. <laughs> something around that. What am I now? 33. <laughs> oh no, no, I'd be. Oh yeah, no, almost bang on 40. Be. Yeah, what am I saying? Yeah. 45. Thinking you're older than what you are. Nah, maybe four. Uh, no, I'm born in 89. So I'll be 14, Jeez. 29. I'll be 36. So be... <laughs> Holy crap. That's, oh. that's nuts to think about. But the good thing about that, mate, is we've got Petrarca to 2029 and then Clary to 2030. Like they're going to be a demon for life. They're going to be there. I think they'll both be about. 32, I think, by the time their contracts do end up. And then obviously by that stage, you know, they could be a year prospect or, you know, depending on their body and, you know, it could be a time for them to call it quits. But Demons for Life, it's, you know, we hope that we get Gus Brayshaw on board as well. And there's another bloke that's just lingering around, which has been in the news a little bit, which I think come out on, might have been Thursday, I'm pretty sure. Um, that's Luke Jackson, PCL strain. Uh you know, determining on how long this is going to be out. And the weird thing is, is there's not a lot of news surrounding it. It was just Luke Jackson's out. Don't know how long for. It'll be interesting to hear what happens in the news in the lead up to playing the Cats on Thursday night. Yeah, it was one of those strange ones that kind of started to filter out through Twitter. You know, a few rumors pages floating it out there late Thursday night. And yeah, a few journos reporting it before the club had made it official. I think it was late Friday afternoon. So... Yeah, a little bit concerning, and it gave us a completely different look going into Saturday's afternoon clash without a recognised Ruckman, but we'll get more into that a little bit later. Uh, the good news is, though, that we're expecting Max to be fit and firing, ready for Thursday night's top-of-the-table clash against Geelong. Down, uh, remember, down. remember what happened last time at Geelong, mate. What did oh. Gorney do? <laughs> what did he do? Quaking. The showstopper. They'd be uh, quaking in their boots, surely, with him. But you know what he's like. I think we spoke about this last week. He'd be itching to get back out in the park. Good to get him back, hey? It will be. It will be. He'll be. He'll be absolutely stoked to be leading the boys out there. And such a such a massive game as well, too. It's going to be a real test, and and be too. to see see where these two teams are at because it's sort of been talked about all season how how well Geelong are building, how they've been managing their. You know the, the retirement village down there of players that they that they're resting every now and then and and oh sort of building building up until the end of the end of finals like Dangerfield's just sort of waking, making his way back now but I don't know a lot of media seem to believe that Geelong and like I haven't watched a whole lot of them to be honest but their forward line's probably the most one of the most imposing forward lines with the duo of Cameron and Hawkins mm. being dangerous up forward not to mention Stengel who's revived his career and found a real home. Mm down there as well so there's going to be plenty to look forward to there but i suppose let's before we even focus too much on that because that's that's on your radar mate a little bit later on but let's have a look on saturday afternoon so d's walk away with a 29 point victory but i was thinking back to when i was watching the replay thinking back to some of those things that you talked about last week in one week at a time and talking about the home crowd and a few little factors there that sort of certainly crept in probably more than i thought might have been, mm. yeah, might have been evident throughout the game, but they made us work for it. And credit to them, they it was a hell of a pressure game. Like fast start, I think there's nine goals in the first quarter, and then it kind of dried up and just yeah, mm. yeah, lost the second attack quarter on. was pretty plain, wasn't it? I think it was. Yeah. Would we kick one potentially? I think in it might have been one quarter. each. Yeah, maybe one or they might two have goals, two goals one, uh, two goals to one. I think in the second quarter. 
Yeah, just yeah, become a bit stale. But oh, I suppose that happens a fair bit in this day and age. You know, teams coming out, you know, all guns blazing. And I think, all right, what are we going to do to stem the bleeding? You know, and then it's all about you know the the pressure game and you know who gets on top. And to be honest, to the Crows' credit, I thought they were better than us in the second quarter in terms of their pressure. And yeah, like you said, make it made us work for it. And I'll tell you what, yeah, lots of lots of like about. And I think uh, covering it in the next segment, credit to the boys, is the right thing to do right now into the game so uh, it's a real credit to the boys um, I think it was on uh, all of us to step up and, and you know, really lead from the front and I thought we did that all day so we want to play our way just go after the boys right Simo lots of things to take away as you mentioned no recognisable Ruckman so we really were sort of forced to, to take a different direction in how we how we address the uh, you know, centre clearances and the stoppages and Boy, did the uh, midfield brigade just continue to carry on their dominance and, you know, look at that, the whole, like, D's won by four or five clearances in the end but lost the hitouts by 40-odd. And you're looking at our, at our... What was that? I said we definitely got flogged in that department. Oh, yeah, but I think it's interesting to hear him as they're talking about, I think at one point, halfway through the second quarter, I think Riley O'Brien had 13 hitouts in the quarter and 10 of them had been sharked by the D's. So mm. they said it's easier potentially when you're not having to worry about where you're going in terms of where your ruckman's going to hit it you're just looking at finding the ball wherever the putting mm. it that's it so yeah. that, that that lack of pressure there in that sense maybe you know makes it a little bit more straightforward so our our ability to be able to get on top there was really clear but you look at our our regular contributors in the middle there and oliver track and viney plus combined with langdon's outstanding game as well too but the four of them 127 disposals, 63 contested possessions, 21 clearances, and five goals between all four of those. And you know, we'll talk about track a little bit later, his individual efforts. But yeah, just a mammoth performance in the middle. And what was a really contested game, and, and Adelaide really matched just in contested possessions and, and tackles pretty much up until the last quarter. But yeah, I, that's just where our skill and our polish sort of really ascended us to, to be the better team and, and probably got us over the line because, as you noted before, those continued efforts between Oliver and Petrarca uh, and Viney's just continuing his little purple patch at the moment of amazing form inside just gave our just gave our guys the best ability to get best opportunity to get the ball. You know, Oliver being able to find a, a winger on the outside, Ed Langdon, like the, the amount of times we were able to sort of gain ascendancy by that and, and really move the ball forward by Oliver and Petrarca's grunt work at the coalface was just completely outstanding. Oh, the, the amount of times those two combined was just, oh, just, just the way, it's just like they knew just exactly where they were going to be. And that forward handball game they possess when they explode out of a stoppage, I mean, try and stop that going forward. I mean, Petrarca was back to his, you know, his first month. Um, back to his complete best. I mean, what do you have? The 30, 33 and the kick three as well. Um, 20 contested possessions. I mean, the bloke was the bloke was just outstanding. And, you know, I mean, we've been crying out to see that from the track. And I think just, yeah, having the un, unrecognized Ruckman, I suppose, rejigged him. I don't know if it like rejuvenated them sort of thing. But yeah, to be on top, because usually that's what other teams do to us. They rove off Maxi's taps um, and then get on top of the stoppage. Um, but I think we just get better value for when we do win a clearance because of the the caliber of players we have in there. So yeah, and if we if we're winning now, I mean good luck trying to beat us because for one, winning stoppages is obviously going to make def- our defensive structure stronger. Um and you know, win that that yardage battle. Um because I mean when you've got Lever and May down back, I mean it's going to be pretty hard to get through that and especially how quickly they set up. Um you know, we we if we're winning the territory battle, obviously it comes on the back in the middle when at the coal face which transfers the score and also um yeah, that yardage yardage win as well. Yeah, so look, let's Clayton Oliver for a minute, man of the moment, man of the week, given his you know his signature and extending the contract. But the thirty six touches, his ability to be able to squeeze, and you talk about that forward handball, but his ability to be able to get the ball out there is just it's it's amazing. And I know Jason Dunster was was very big on it during the commentary as well too. Just being able to find find a teammate in in the heat of the battle like continuously over and over again I'll tell you what the big thing was for me as well 13 tackles for Oliver who yes who, you know probably not our you know Viney you probably say generally gets towards Definitely, the yeah. double digits uh, along with probably some of our other you know like your Tommy Sparrows and those sort of players Spargo's 
that get high number of tackles. But the 13 tackles from Oliver, I think, was was really impressive as well too. We know what he can do at a contested level, but for him in a game which, yeah, the second and third quarter was was pretty hot, uh, he was able to get in there and, and make sure that he's showing his defensive efforts as well too, which is amazing. Petrarca, you touched on him earlier about seeing a great sort of bounce back to form, but I think that is also attributed to a bit of a change of role, like playing a mm-hmm. lot more forward on Saturday afternoon. And that was a bit of a clear direction, obviously, from the coaching style of things to try and shake things up, uh, give us a bit of a look going forward. And yeah, those first first half three goals and really had a couple of opportunities to probably snag either another one or two at least, like at the end mm-hmm. in that last quarter, hit the post running into almost an open goal, like a snap. So easily could have had four, but yeah, Geez, if he if he tidies that up as well, and if that's going to be continued going for the rest of the season and moving into finals, like look out, and the fact that he can still win the ball and have twenty contested possessions, and probably this split there, you, you, I think I don't know, probably 60-40, 40 I think at times when he's going mm. forward of center. So no, it's super no, like, impressive. Yeah. It, yeah, the ball was back, and I think when you've got players like Sparrow that can is you know it's a similar type to Petrarca. I mean, can go through the midfield, but is that real explosive? you know, kind of power power player that can go in there, you know, get the clearance, you know, surge the ball forward. I think it's just, yeah, by having him in the side gives him that luxury to go forward and, you know, really pose a big threat. Like, you know, what obviously what Dustin Martin has been able to do a fair bit in his career. And, you know, now I kind of look like that Dustin Martin's like the poor man's Petrarca. I think <laughs> Petrarca, it, I mean, obviously Petrarca doesn't have the accolades yet, um, but obviously definitely has the potential to do similar to what, um, Dusty has done in his career. It's funny how you talk about um, Clary too. I mean, that 13 touches, I was just looking then 4.7 is his average tackle for the season. So he's wow. just gone, he's just gone whack. So yeah, for him to do that, I mean, Supercoach fans, you, you would have loved Clary because gee, his last three games at, at the Adelaide Oval, he had two, two 200s and then now 175. He's just, he loves playing at Adelaide Oval, especially against the Crows. The kid just he just explodes there. He's just got an unreal record there. And um, yeah, hopefully that can continue for the rest of the year. And like I think it was just playing so freely because of, I mean, you know, it wasn't wouldn't say it was weight off his shoulders or anything, but just made the right choice. And, you know, it was just um yeah, he was just exceptional. And yeah, those other boys around him as well, they just yeah, they just had the will to win. And I think, yeah, like we've said, and I said this before, just just getting the job done and yeah, you know, moving on now because now we've got a healthy percentage and also a game lead in front of Geelong and Brisbane. So, yeah, I mean, we've got that game up our sleeve. I mean, if you if you're going to drop one, I mean, we've got the luxury to do so. But um, yeah, we've got to keep going forward. And by going forward, um, I thought Mitch Brown was Mitch Brown did his role. I think. I mean, obviously supplied a bit of insurance for for Weed when he needed a rest, but you know, was able to just. Just nullify half the contest as best he could. I mean, I don't think Riley, I mean Riley O'Brien had the 40, 48 hit outs, but did he really dominate? I don't think he did. His work um, around the ground was was pretty impressive. I think just the size that he had, like you know, being able to bob up and take a contested mark, uh, but not really be damaging down forward. So it's not like he was able to float forward or back. You know, a lot of his intercept mark and his contested marking was done sort of in the middle of the ground. So yeah, I think. From a Melbourne perspective, we certainly missed uh, that presence as well, like of somebody just down the line where that's where I think O'Brien really kind of stepped up for Adelaide. But in terms of actually being damaging with it, no, it, it certainly didn't translate in that form. I definitely thought our defenders continued their merry way, especially from last week. Just, you know, obviously having Stevie May back there as a key pillar, again, just huge, huge intercept marks um, and intercept possessions. I just think... When when he's back in the side, we just it's like we've got a whole different structure. It's just it's just a well oiled machine down there. And I think, you know, when he's in the side, I mean you look at the averages of teams kicking scores. I mean, how often do they kick more than more than 60, 65 points, I'd say. Um, yeah, not a lot of sides that are able to do that against us just purely based on, you know, the the kind of man mountain he sort of is. I mean, he's not overly tall, Stevie Mays. I think he's only about one ninety three, but um I think just the leadership he shows down there with with Rick Lever, I think it's just, yeah, it's it's exceptional to have, and I think, yeah, it, it sets up our whole structure to be honest. Yeah, no, it definitely does. I think that that whole defense was yeah pretty outstanding as well too, especially first five minutes. Dee's put on three goals within 
not even five minutes. It was about four minutes. And, you know, we sort of thought, oh, here we go, off to a flying start. And then before you know it, Adelaide had then gone and uh, turned on their jets and, and done about the same thing and even more in the next four goals uh, where they really sort of dominated the ball. And and probably to our, to our credit, it could have been worse because they were able to win a lot of that contested ball and be able to move forward pretty quickly with putting some pace on the ball. But luckily for us, they weren't really very intelligent when they're moving the ball forward. So they were pretty much blazing away and allowing our defenders to really mop up quite early on as well. And that's where some of those intercept marks and possessions really started to accrue really early on. And I think that was really clear. And unfortunately, well, no, unfortunately for Adelaide, they didn't really tidy that up for the rest of the game because I think at by three-quarter time, the Ds had 26 intercept marks. And you look at our, our brigade down there as well, and your Petty, May, Lever, and also Angus Brayshaw as well too, all combining for by the end of the game, you had 43 intercepts and 21 intercept marks between them. So there was times where Adelaide did move the ball quickly and they were able to find opportunities to score when that defense wasn't set. And I think that was their, just their pressure around the ball. And I think teams have found success in getting on top of us when they are really putting the pressure on and, and getting that tackle pressure up around the ball. And for us, we get a little bit fumbly, turn the ball over and... It was yeah, we were pretty fortunate that they weren't able to capitalise on the scoreboard too much for that because there were certainly a few times where they were able to get the ball forward quickly and and uh, yeah, luckily we've got the class and the talent that we do down back to um, mop up that and uh, and get the ball rolling from there. I just want to also touch on with our midfield as well too. Eddie Langdon, I thought played his best game for probably the best part of a couple of months. It was a really typical Langdon game, I think, when you think you know 100% game time, but winning a lot of the ball early and being able to make his presence felt. We sort of talked about the the grunt work and the credit to all that midfielders there, but for him is that link-up player and being able to do the running from point post to point post and really be attacking. And I think he ended up with, what, 530 metres gained. The 11 contested possessions, which you thought was a you know probably a t- an uptick from his average that he would normally that he would normally uh, have. And then 75% efficiency with disposal. Because we know, you know, at full tilt, he's not always the best hands or the best kick, the sharpest kick. But yeah, he, he had a, a ripper game and, and also finished it off with a beautiful dribble goal, which was a real, probably a real highlight package from our contest, our stoppage work, because it was a Petrarca to Oliver to Ed Langdon for a beautiful dribble goal that really you know, started the ball rolling in that last quarter to get us back on top and... I think Eddie Langdon, you've hit the nail on the head there. I think when he got injured with the concussion, I think he was is in rip form and then hasn't quite been himself since coming back. And I think, well, that's probably due to course. A lot of teams are putting a lot of effort into him. And I think it just shows if if a team hasn't put, you know, the effort into him, then look what he can do to a side. And I think he's one of those players. I mean, if if he is getting nullified, I mean, hopefully we'll have a backup plan as well because obviously we get so much drive from him especially from a back half because they link up so well with him you know Brayshaw kicks out to him a lot I mean I mean they obviously got a really strong relationship there and I think just and with Salem as well I think they just know where he's going to be and um, that that proved telling as well in the game I think yeah he really stood out for me and they had to cap it off kicked a nice little goal from the boys work inside yeah yeah so no great to see him back in uh Back in some yeah ripper form, like he's been he's been fantastic all season. But that was certainly his highlight game for the last probably couple of months, I would say as well. Uh, where are we going next? Oh, just going forward, efficiency going forward. It might have seemed that at times we were a little bit wasteful, but that fast start that we had and, and being able to kick quick successive goals right in the first few minutes, and then really that second quarter, as you mentioned earlier, like draw it up. But then I think the looks that we had going forward we were able to generate some pretty positive opportunities going forward with a bit of an unconventional forward line, I'd say. Like with Petrarca, who played such a predominant role up forward, kicking the three. But you look at our leading goal kickers for the game, you got three for Petrarca, two each for Ben Brown and Mitch Brown. So with Mitch Brown really being an insurance policy for our ruck and, mm-hmm. and anything that you're going to get from him is a bonus. And he's been... Mm-hmm. He's had a ripper VFL season. I think, what was it, last last week? Kicked six goals. Six, six. six. Like, 12 shots on goal, and I think he had four behinds in the first quarter in the VFL last week. So he keeps putting his hand up for selection, and here he's just kind of molded into the role that you need to be, him and Wiedemann. But 
after that, you've just got the single goal kickers. So, like, Fritch had a pretty quiet day, even in his 100th game. You mm-hmm. know, kicked the one goal late, but was pretty well held. Harmsey, one goal. Bedford, one goal. And Bedford was reasonably quiet as well. Langdon, a goal. Viney, goal. Sparrow, Cozzy. And and there you have it. So, that's, that's probably, you know, like, it's not your conventional method of scoring, I'd say. It's a pretty even spread. With Petrarca being your leading goal kicker, you're not probably going to get that each and every week. So 30 shots on goal from 52 entries running at 58% efficiency. So that's still up 10% from what we're average for the season. So I, I still think that's pretty Positive. impressive. Yeah. 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 The under, yeah, exactly. And it's uh, sometimes like a, a few of our scores even come from just a hack kick forward. I saw Mitch Brown's one was just a hack kick forward, lucky bounce. You know, we got on the end of one. Um, I also wanted to touch on Ben Brown. I think his game is pretty underrated. I thought I thought he was really good in the air, competed well, brought it down to the ground for our smalls and midfielders. I thought, yeah, just gave us an out when we needed one. And I think he'd been outmarked a fair bit in the last few weeks and just obviously hasn't been his best. But yeah, I thought he was back to back to getting his running and jumping at the ball in the right way. And I think, yeah, he wasn't going under it or anything. He was actually, yeah, he was actually hitting hands as opposed to not hitting hands. So I mean, that's always a, always a positive. And I think, you know, the more that happens, the more he's going to start, you know, they're going to start sticking and, you know, he's going to start dominating like he did in the back half of last year and into the finals. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's great to see. And hopefully, yeah, continue that run of form. Uh, I think that's pretty much it for the game. Like, there's lots of other performances that we could probably highlight. I thought Harms played pretty well. Salem had a pretty decent roll-off halfback as well, too. And, yeah, I think Tommy Sparrow as well too, one of those improving young players that, as you mentioned earlier, I think he really can. If, if Petrarca is going to spend that extra time forward, he is somebody that whilst he might not have the same class and talent as a Petrarca, he can still go in and win the ball and do all the right things and execute his role, what the team needs from him to allow Petrarca to play that little bit up forward. All right, Simo, well, now to touch on the things that we didn't love about the game in our next segment, pretty pissed off. Pretty, I'm pretty pissed. I'm pretty pissed off still. Um, it's not good enough. That's very unlike the way we've been playing, and something that we'll obviously review and get better at. Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not good enough today. Um, this team, this club's got to start winning games. It's a tough one this week, Sim, because yeah, going in undermanned as 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 much as we did, I, we can't really. You know, harp on losing the hitouts by 30 because everything else we will be able to balance out from what the rest of the team did. A couple of really small things, I think, that we can take away from it because really it was a game of momentum swings. I think the, the boys did everything they could and, and it was a real professional victory to be able to get away, get away with the win at the end. My first thing there, it was <laughs> touched on the efficiency going forward. I think just there was some opportunities, scoring opportunities that could have allowed the game to be over a little bit earlier than what it was. Mm. I think allowing Adelaide to creep back in, especially at the start of that fourth quarter, and, you know, Roy Laird kick, coming straight out of a centre clearance and exiting from the front and being able to run you know, to about 30 out in front and, and put a goal straight away was a little bit disappointing. But oh, just a number of probably not, a mixture of set shots and shots on the run from like Ben Brown, Bedford, like Clary had a probably two or three within a I don't know five ten minute span, and he's, it was nowhere near it. Now it's hard to have a go at him because he's so amazing at everything else. I mean, imagine that he takes that to the next level. He's going to be absolutely <laughs> unstoppable if he can, you know, average a goal a game. Harms again had a couple of had a couple of attempts that he normally would make as well too, and even the set shot that he decided that he needed to run around for, and then that that certainly put him off. Um, mm. Ben Brown picked one up. He had all the time in the world. Like he kicked that almost over his head and, and missed that as well too. And uh, and Spargo and Petrarca as well too. So I think if you look in that third quarter when we we're really putting the heat on, we we're putting the scoreboard pressure on. We kicked uh, where are we? Three goals, six um, from fifteen entries. So yeah, yeah, it's hard to say. I would say at least one or two of those could have been gettable. And then you're looking at a five-goal quarter rather than uh, a three-goal yeah. quarter, and the games probably just put that little bit further out of reach of Adelaide, and maybe that plays with their minds a little bit heading into the fourth quarter. But I don't know. As I said, it's a uh, it's something pretty small, and it, I suppose yeah. it shows because one goal five out of those three goal six were off intercepts. So you know it's all in the heat of the moment. So a hurried kick, a hard kick forward, it might it might look a little bit easier than what it actually is. Yeah, it's true. And usually, I mean, what we're doing a lot in the first half of the year, I mean, probably more the first 10 wins was 
our third quarters were just unreal and we just really put sides to bed and a couple of times we carried on the fourth quarter but a lot of the time we just coast in the fourth but I feel like yeah we just didn't get full value for for our dominance in that third quarter like what you're saying I mean I mean yes it was disappointing but yes we were able to finish off the game nice and strong as well um one thing I really took away from the game I mean 23 to 9 free kicks I mean like you hate to you hate to blame the umpires and everything, but just looking at the number, you just think, hmm, uh, is this like you know a little bit of home crowd advantage? Just more so from them just sucking or yelling ball to everything. Like I mean, obviously you saw Gussie. I mean, I mean if you're gonna look like you're diving on the footy and not get it out, you're in trouble. I mean it's I mean it's one of those ones where the umpire could be blindsided. Um, it, it could have been another Adelaide player just bring it in. Um, it's one of those ones where, yeah, I mean it's contentious, but it's also you know. If the umpire doesn't quite see it from a different, you know, from the covering of the of the ball, et cetera, it's it is hard to sort of see there. But there's a few things here. I just, I just think they kind of put the whistle away for us in a few regards. I mean, minus I mean Fogarty given Lever one in the guts. I mean, we got one there. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like the game was actually like I don't think it was too badly umpired. But yeah, just looking at the twenty three to nine was a bit interesting and. Yeah, I think you uh, your point number four there crowd a bunch of silks, which is usually what you get when you get a a crowd with a, a lot more of the other supporters. I mean, they're just so one-eyed; it's not funny. Yeah, I we just to quickly touch on the umpiring. If you, I was counting them, rewatching the game, I was counting them in the first quarter, and I think that Melbourne win about four or five free kicks in that first quarter alone. So if you take that away from everything else, you know, the majority of the free kicks that we won for the entire game was was paid in the first quarter. In a game that was so, I suppose, fierce tackling-wise, but I think the the media, not the media, the social media, and everybody's reaction early, I think, with the looking at the free kick count, free kick count, I think you're right. You look at it as a number, and you think, shit, like that's that's very one-sided. But there was only probably a couple of moments in the game where it was kind of really clear. I mean, there was a point in the last quarter where Oliver got a massive whack to the face. Uh, it's clearly high, and that didn't get paid. And literally 30 seconds later, Fogarty, I think, jumps on Petty's back, I think it was, and a really unrealistic mm. attempt and didn't get paid. Now, I don't think that they scored a goal from that. I think in total, Adelaide only scored the two goals from free kicks. I think it certainly could have been worse. You look at that number, that certainly certainly could have been worse. But uh, I think that throughout the guts of the game, the whistle was pretty even across the board for quarters two and three. So, yeah, it looks bad. And I think the free kick count and the crowd certainly has their influence in it. Um, but other than that, I don't think it really had too much of an impact on the outcome of the game. I, I, yeah, I think on, on second watch, it didn't. But uh, Darcy Fogarty, <laughs> pretty pissed off. I just think that, yeah... Seems to be a little bit, a little bit of niggle between him and Lever. I think just the whack in the guts, and then for Jason Dunstall on the telecast to call Lever soft for going down. If you see like where he got him, and you see Lever's on the bench moments after that, kind of trying to catch his breath back a little bit. It was just, I think it was just a bit of an unnecessary call from Jason Dunstall for sort of you know, besmirching him a little bit and and sort of not tarnishing his reputation, but to to make that comment because. How much have we been trying as a league, and I'm sure it's you know the same in local footy as well too, to try and stamp out these little things like a little jab to the guts, like that. Like they're the sort of punches that you want to eradicate from the game. Like don't say that a player's soft for going down because you know on his haunches because he's hit him in a sweet spot. Like they're like Fogarty ended up getting charged. I think got the two thousand dollar fine or whatever it was from the MRO for that particularly. But I don't know he just seemed like a bit of a flog, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Early on, his uh, his finger was pointing in all all kinds of all kinds of right angles in the first quarter as well. Oh, and the crowd are a bunch of sooks. Every time Lever touched the ball, just booing him. Just get over it. That's fair. It's funny. It's funny because um, I see all those things during the week. Just say, uh, it's funny you talk about Lever. Crow supported one of my mates. I was asking, oh, did did Rick Lever leave for money or success? And at the time, a lot of people, oh, it's for money. But then obviously, you can see it's now success. Which is yeah, a little bit of rub, rub and salt in the wounds, but gee, we got lucky with him, didn't we? Yeah, that's right. I mean, I mean, you can say you can say it's hindsight now, but I don't know. Melbourne, Melbourne knew what they were after. They were obviously targeting a need, and they've invested in like one of the one of the first clubs. And, and I can tell you, it probably would have be setting the trend now 
to invest so much money in their backline, but it's it's paid off in dividends, hasn't it? Like mm. you look at the how important Lever and May are to our side as a duo, uh, not Just, only individually. But yeah, 100% agree with that. And I think other clubs that are doing well have that real general interceptor. I mean, Geelong, Tom Stewart, Brisbane, Harris Andrews. Like, I mean, in Freo, the Freo have got the interceptors left, right, and center in their back line. It's, you know, Collingwood, Darcy Moore, Jeremy Howe. It's just, those really strong sides have those intercept defenders. And you look at that's the way they're going because. That's how oh, the amount of pressing teams do. I mean, once you get the intercept, it's like a slingshot footy. You get the ball, go, get the team out the back. Like it's that's just the way footy is these days. And yeah, it's just it's so important to our structure. Like yeah, it really sets up the game on on our terms. And yeah, that's that's why that's why they got him to the club. So no, as with anything. Um, speaking of uh, players that have got poached from other other sides, Jordan Dawson, absolute star though. He he's going to be gone for a long time. So yeah, good good get from Adelaide as well too. Enjoyed watching his game too. All right, mate. It's that time, and it's the Hop Hen Delightful Display Underrated Player of the Year Award, mate. It's it was a it was one for the ages um, between a few here. I feel like it's going to be a nice tight battle, and you'll see that with my two voters very soon. First one for me, mate, goes to Sam Wiedemann. I feel like Sam Wiedemann in stepping up in the shoes of. You know, no Dogger or no Gorn. I mean, obviously, you know, didn't really have a huge stat line in terms of or eleven hitouts, and I think he had the eleven touches. But when he had the t- when he had the the footy, he actually used it pretty well. Um, you know, hitting up a forward going forward. So, yeah, um, yeah, kudos to Sammy Wiedemann. And yeah, I think he will retain his spot for for the future, especially with Tom McDonald out of the side. Even with Jacko coming in, whenever yes. he does, whenever he does, yeah, okay, interesting, yes. yeah, nice one. Uh, very underrated or, yeah, very off-centre there with that vote. Uh, my one vote goes to Stephen May. I just think that his intercept work early as well too and playing on Tex and Tex has had a string of good form this season as well too to be able to shut him down and, and sort of minimise his impact. I think the most impact Tex had was uh, was winning free kicks in in, <laughs> in uh, ruck stoppages against Sam Wiedemann. So the ability to do that, but not only, yeah, win a lot of the ball. I think he ended up with, I think, a seven intercept marks in the end. And, and yeah, had, had a really strong role, as you talked about his importance before. So I don't think I need to explain any more. Yep, nice one. Uh, my two votes is split, and that's between our two bulls, Christian Petrarca and Clayton Oliver. I just think I couldn't go past them um, in the voting this week. I think they're just, just the work they do around the ground and obviously finishing, or Petrarca finishing his work forward. I think, feel like there's a huge bonus to the side. And, yeah, just the way they connect is just, yeah, it just makes you you're just use in awe of what they can do and how far they can take this club um, into the future. Yeah, yeah, nice one. Uh, my two votes goes to Ed Langdon. I just think that his game was, yeah, as I said, best game that he's had in probably a couple of months and just really allowed, like that's when we look how dangerous is when he's in, running in space and to gather up the 33 touches, you know, being able to get on the get on the scoreboard for at least a goal when he's having that sort of huge impact. But yeah, and, and having the 11 contested possessions as well too is uh, was huge. So I thought that his his game was a, a huge part of our success and our ability to move the ball forward and, and get the win on the board. Perfect, mate. And that's a bit of a segue to mine. Three vote goes to Ed Langdon, Lingers. Uh, back in uh, back in definitely his best form, um, best ball winning form and keeping his shape as well. I feel like just, yeah, just the way he propels the footy um, gets it going our way and gets that yardage game going as well. I feel like he enables us to to press up and you see a lot of, I mean, we've seen a lot of vision this year where a lot of our forwards do press up and we do get teams at the back. That's purely based on, you know, the work rate um, behind Ed Langdon as well. So, yeah, he's got his little wing there and, um, yeah, the opposite side to where the bench is. No wonder he doesn't come off. Um, but, yeah, definitely the be- probably the best two. Uh, actually, I'm going to say they're probably the best winger in the competition. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, no doubt. I think people look to that as the uh, as the benchmark and as the example of how to execute that role to to perfection. Uh, my three votes very hard to try and find. Uh, yeah, votes for everybody, but like it has to go to Petrarca. I just think that the way he got us up on the board, first goal within seconds of the game, and just his ability to be able to yeah be so damaging at four, but still do a lot in the middle of the ground is just yeah it's super exciting to see and it, it kind of unlocks that little bit more potential if that's if that's his role going forward and continuing to go forward which has been experimented with in the past and i think 
the first goal he kicked, he'd missed his previous 12, I think, shots on goal or set shots on goal or something ridiculous. So for him, hopefully, to get a little bit of confidence and his mojo back in front of in front of the sticks, I think, is really big because come final time, like they're, they're those extra goals that we don't want to be just relying on our big forwards, as we sort of saw with, with uh, Saturday afternoon where our tall forwards didn't really have the day out. It's, uh, it's, it's when those midfielders can really push forward and he's so strong and such a bull inside there that, yeah, for him to get a couple of goals on the scoreboard and being able to damage his opponents down there is, uh, is just an absolute bonus. So, no, nah, three votes to track for there. Awesome, mate. Hopefully, we see a leaderboard coming up on the screens. Well, it doesn't uh, <laughs> It doesn't really shift the leaderboard too much. So, Viney's still on top at 25. Uh, you've got Oliver now who's with the one vote that you gave him was 16. And, yeah, stiff not to get a vote from me, but... Besides that, we're uh, we're looking we're looking about the same. So, uh, yeah, I think Vine has still got that commanding nine vote lead at the moment. So, what are we at the end of round fifteen? So interesting to see how that pans yeah. out for the rest of the season. All right, Simo. Well, we are the podcast for D's fans by D's fans, and we wouldn't be here without our loyal listeners. And now it's time to hear their thoughts in the next segment, Fugazi. People only commenting on what they see, um, but internally, it's Fagazi. You do your best uh, Matthew McConaughey impression from the <laughs> No, I can't, but it's, uh, it's goes something like Fagazi, it's Woozy, it's Wazi. <laughs> <laughs> All right, mate, the first one comes in from Stamp, your authority, Mr. Warren Stamp. The fact that we have these two in our midfield for the next seven years, and look, mate, we've we've labelled on it too. It's it's just something that yeah we can't wait to see what these two can achieve in their careers, and yeah, hopefully that's continuously be selfless and yeah get others to sign on and get on board with them as well. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think it'd be interesting to know, and obviously not going to find out, but the details of of Clary's oh, contract. Tag. Because it have to be it have to be a meal, wouldn't it? Well, it it have to somewhat equate to something like that. But I wonder if those conversations would have taken place about being able to maybe back end the contract somewhat, so that it might provide them with a bit of financial flexibility to sign to have Dogger and Gus at least on short term deals. And yeah, it'd be interesting to know if that's going to play what sort of role that's going to play in, in being able to retain, if not one, hopefully two of those very key players there so no i think when you look at that our two midfielders like the stars that they are for the next seven years and you highlighted how old we're going to be when they when their contracts are up earlier <laughs> it's uh it's very very exciting so it was interesting kingy talked about on first crack on sunday night doesn't reckon he's seen a tougher trio of midfielders than oliver track and viney like he reckons still like in terms of toughness and being able to like brute force and you know tackle pressure and everything that they do well you know like compared it to Kerr, Cousins and Judd even still he goes I don't reckon they were tougher than these three boys here so it's that's pretty can you imagine seeing that can you imagine seeing that this day and age I mean seeing your Cox, Kerr, Judd, Cousins up against our trio or our quartet should I say with the ruck involved there yeah just be a match for the ages I mean you, you look at your Brisbane's you know Simon Black Michael Voss as well. I mean, I remember when we drafted Clary, people were comparing him to, to Michael Voss. So that, you know, I mean, good to see some more highlights of Vossi. I mean, obviously, you know, he ended his career in what, maybe 2004, 2005-ish. But yeah, it'd be cool to, to look at the differences between the two. It was interesting. Did you read that article when Clary resigned and, and Goody was talking about his relationship with Clary and, and everything when it came to drafting him? And they'd mm. sort of given him a bit of a, not an ultimatum, but sort of said, oh, no, it probably was in the end. You had to lose like five kilos in six weeks for them to take him. And uh, Goody brought his own pair of scales just to make sure that uh, that oh, Clary wow. didn't like bring a doctored pair. <laughs> but he'd lost like five and a half kilos. So hence, hence He's a great uh, looking boy, isn't he, Clary? Like you look at him compared to when he started to now. Oh, Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, is he better looking now or better looking back then? <laughs> I don't know. It's uh, just maybe it's the red who, hair that does it for who me. Who we got next? Skin. Who we got next, mate? <laughs> who we got next? <laughs> uh, next up, we got Kate Horton. So that's actually my cousin Kate, who's chimed in, uh, loyal listener of the pod. So thanks, Kate, for for chipping in here. She said Petrarca found his goal kicking foot again. The boys in the center are absolutely smashing it, and also I think the absolutely ridiculous free kick count can't go unspoken. So yeah, as we mentioned before, so. 
yeah, a few, few great points there. I think we, we've talked a lot about those boys in the middle, and and I think Petrarca just finding his confidence going forward is just going to be yeah, it's going to unlock a huge, huge potential, and, and especially heading towards September <coughs> as well. It's going to be really important going forward. Hundred percent. The next one comes in from Jason Jiggins, which goes a lot to say with what we t- touched on with pretty pissed off. Total, total domination in the eye of adversity from the umpires. Boys really stood up. Crows need to get over Lever leaving apparently for money over premierships. And yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I mean, do you, I think you're pretty sure he left after they lost the grand final. So he was started with us 2018, got injured pretty sure in his first year with us. Like yeah. done his ACL. Did do his ACL. Yep, correct. Um. So yeah. Um. I mean, understandably so that Adelaide were a bit dirty, but. I mean, you know, he has now got the success to to back that up. And, yeah, thanks, Adelaide, for Rick Lever. <laughs> Which I nearly broke the internet last week by doing a post and labelling as Rick Lever. And oh, my gosh. Did you, see me, did you see what I tagged in? <laughs> oh, I can't remember what it was. It was uh, – oh, yeah, and oh, then no, somebody thought – It was thought, on the Gus and Gorney. It was yeah. on the Gus and Gorney um, pod. I'm like, who's, who's Rick Lever? And yeah. I tagged in it. And then, and then somebody thought you were being serious as well too. So they had to they had to make sure you knew about it because, yeah, apparently, and it was interesting. So even some of the feedback from some people that have been uh, that have had comments read out on on the podcast, some people would say, "Oh, you know, make sure you get the name right and and uh, you know, don't do this, don't do that." And like, oh, come on, I wasn't out there to uh, to cause a stir. But anyway, let's move past that because that's that's last week's thing. Uh, last one we've got from Waitsy. Uh, on Twitter, Brendan Waits says the depth of this team was on display. Weed and Mitch Brown probably know that they won't feature in September, but they still had a red odd crack. Speaks volumes are our culture and our team ethos, which is spot on. It really echoes what you were talking about before, like you know, Mitchy Brown's effort and Weed's you gave you, you gave what you won vote to as well. So did absolutely nothing wrong. I think just did out there and did the best they could. We knew that we weren't going to win hitouts. Like Riley O'Brien's a a beast of a human, like in terms of his size and his stature, and I think I think Weeds was giving up. What was it? I was reading the stats. It was I can't remember how many cent. Like broke down how many centimeters and kilos, etc. About what he was giving up going up in these rock contests. But as you said, like they're probably not going to get a game, but they're just unselfishness and, and their willingness just to play their role. Uh, especially with Mitchie Brown, you know, like being able to sneak forward and kick a couple of goals. It's it's real credit to uh, to them to be able to keep keep doing that for for the club so thanks Waitsy. Uh, we're, we're pleased with where we sit we understand there's going to be some hype around how we're playing but we also want to just take it you know one week at a time and, and coaches say that a lot and, and people and it's just the reality you can't look too far ahead mate here we are again one week at a time best time of the week to be honest i mean for one i love my little previews our modern day rival you look at the last time we played them, dismantled them. I think they're going to be coming out pretty red hot, mate. It's yeah, it's one v two. It's going to be a great game. Unfortunately, at GMHBA, when it's getting redeveloped, you got one v two. Why the hell is it not at the G don't, Thursday night? Don't even don't even get me started. Could easily get fifty thousand, sixty thousand there. Geelong are probably giving up yeah multiple copious amounts of dollars here. Last time we played them there too, obviously we were able to to keep go up the sign with Gorney as well. So Gorney coming back would be huge. Um, obviously against a side which is you know he's had a bit of history. You know, kicked the, he missed the shot with about thirty seconds to go a few years ago, and you know just had some really close battles with this mob. And I think yeah, as I said before, they'll be hurting from what happened last time, and it's going to help us not having Tom Stewart again because Tom Stewart didn't play against us in the finals. So yeah, I think us against them, it's going to be a ripping contest. Obviously the aged care facility side, um, it's going to be, are going to be a close game. I mean, I mean, we keep saying this and we thought Brisbane was going to be a close game as well, but no, and this one, Geelong's home crowd, a lot of history, obviously what's happened to us there in the past. It's, this one is this one is a big one. It's yeah, you got Tom or Tom Hawkins who always always plays well against us. He loves the cattery as well. I mean, I think he, he'd have a really good record there. And I think yeah, we're just going to be up for the fight. I think biggest thing is key matchups. And I mean, well, Paddy Dangerfield's back. I'm not sure if he'll play more mid or um, or forward. He was back first game back. He had 19. Um, so it'd be interesting to see how they deploy him. Um, 
Geelong's a bit of an interesting one because they really chop and change a fair bit. They've got the young bloke, De Koning, which will probably go to Ben Brown if he's back in. I think De Koning missed last week. Um, but I think, honestly, matchups, well, May is a perfect person to, for Hawkins and probably Petty for for Cameron or even Lever was a double team um, because, you know, Cameron likes to get up the ground a bit. I mean, he had, I'm pretty sure he had 30 touches on the weekend. He did, 30 yeah. touches and four goals. So you think, okay, well, where's, his, where's he getting most of his value? I mean, obviously he's kicking it down, you know, Hawkins' throat and not to mention Stengel as well. So obviously they've got some... Yeah, some some valuable assets there, and I think Rowan was back as well. So, yeah, they pose a pretty solid, you know, formidable forward line of say probably the best in the competition. I'd say their forward line. So, um, our backs will be up for it, but I suppose yeah, that's probably our, one of our strongest areas, especially when we've got our cattle back. Is you know our defensive structures and what what they can do. So, yeah, an intriguing contest and. Yeah, I'll let you ch- chime in because I haven't given you much. <laughs> no, that's right. This is your segment, mate. Is, uh, you've got the reins here. But no, I've, I think you've hit the nail on the head with the forward line. I think that's got to be the biggest area of focus. And I think it's great now that we've had May back for a couple of games and, and really allowing that those back six to have some good cohesion. And I think Michael Hibbard, I talked about him last week. He just, I mean, personally, I feel so much more comfortable with him in the side. And he might have had been a little bit quieter on Saturday afternoon, but his ability to be able to shut down, you know, a small forward or play tall when he needs to, and he's got that booming left foot, the experience and the level-headedness of him, unfortunately, over Hunt, slightly different players. But, yeah, I think going into this team where we're playing a lot of experience, he's, mm-hmm. he's certainly a really important Really important player for us, and I, I know that he's really valued well within the defensive unit as well too. I think they love having him back in there, and he obviously had that slow start to the season with his calf injury as well too. So mm-hmm. he's huge. Jeremy Cameron's a big one, and you mentioned that he had thirty touches. He's been starting at the square at times <laughs> during during the game, and he's yeah, he's openly he said it. He's openly he said he actually. He's openly oh, come oh, out. On the same page. He's openly come out and said he has no idea what he's doing up there. So yeah, yeah, it's uh, <laughs> they're throwing him there just to probably you know change up the matchups exactly. a little bit. I mean to draw. I think Petty is the right person to go with him. You'd just be yeah wary of how far up he gets the ground, and because Petty is he's growing game in game out. He's 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 really developing a nice young player, and he's again I think he's only twenty two, twenty three pets. So like my, he's, my concern there, Tim. I think. The problem with that, well, Cameron gets you at ground level too, but I think Petty will get exploited at ground level. That's why I think Rick Lever's got to be the one to at least double team him and drop off probably a Gary Rowan tie. Um, I mean, Gary Rowan's a little bit out of touch, um, especially in the last couple of years, but um, yeah, he's he's probably someone, Gary Rowan, especially when they've played us, he kind of goes missing. And I think I'm touching wood here that he doesn't come back for this game because... He's probably that one that, yeah, Rick Lever would be someone to go to him. But then, obviously, if we're able to put enough pressure on, they're able to get average entries, and then Rick Lever can impact off the, off the contest, um, both to help out Maisie as well and also Petty. But I just think, yeah, the way Cameron's moving at the moment, I think he's just too dominant to to probably have Petty just matching him one-on-one. I think I think um, Petty definitely in the air, but Rick Lever would need to be you know, quite mindful of him at the ground level as well. Yeah, I think just gone for for Mitch Brown's probably the most obvious one, and yeah, the dogger situation, mate. That's a that's that's a TBC that one. Yeah, be one one to watch for sure. Hopefully, we get some more information on that. I think you're right with the changes. I can't see there being anything else. I'd say Bedford was a tad quiet, but I don't think I still think we were able to generate enough shots on goal with that smaller forward line. And yeah, with Geelong being that little bit undermanned with Tom Stewart, and I say a little bit, given that you know he's one one key element of that, but I think that, yeah, we keep keep running running with that as well too. The midfield battle is going to be really interesting as well too. I think, you know, Geelong probably with their wealth of experience have, have, have up there with one of the best ones to try and match it with us. I'm not saying that they're going to beat us, but, you know, with yourself, if Dangerfield's running there at times as well, you know, Atkins has been playing really well up there as well and Guthrie, um, you know, Cam Guthrie, that is as well. They're still getting the getting plenty of the ball and being able to get, hit up the scoreboard as well too. So I think you're right in terms of, you know, it's a rivalry game. It's going to be, it's it's going to have, yeah, huge ramifications, I think, 
heading into looking at September, it's going to sway people's, I suppose, opinion and, and their view on both of these teams about where they sit, about the outcome of this game. So blockbuster, yeah, real shame that it's not at the MCG. Uh, mm. Real missed opportunity there. But there'll be a lot to learn from both sides regardless of the outcome of this game. And, you know, we know that we're going to come across these guys in the finals at some point. So it, it'll just be what can we take from, from the game and yeah, fingers crossed. I'm sure that the boys will do everything they can to get the get over the line. I mean, I'm I'm still confident, and it's Geelong down at, down at their home ground. It's always going to be a slight advantage on that front. But I think the the boys will just relish the challenge. They just want to get out there. They want to play the best. They want to play the best opposition, and and really give themselves the best opportunity to to go out and prove to everyone in the competition to say, as you said, like like here we are. We are the best. Uh, we are the best in the comp and. And yeah, really rise to the occasion. So I think having Max back is going to be a huge boost for the boys as well too. I think they'll be looking out there to to make a clear statement and and to quell any people that are looking to to doubt us. So no, I, I think you're right with the close game. I mean, I'm going to say D's by fifteen. Yeah, I was <laughs> I was just thinking there. What what am I going to say? But yeah, I think probably eleven for us. Yeah, definitely a close one and. Yeah, really looking forward to see what's happening with, with Luke Jackson and sort of how that's going to impact us for the rest of the season. All right, Simo, well, that's it, mate. Another week down. It'll be interesting to see how, how we're all how we're all travelling after Thursday night. It's a, a quick turnaround um, for well, for both clubs, really, I suppose, in the span of a couple of weeks of, over the fortnight. I think Geelong are on a similar track to us in terms of how much rest they're, they're getting in between. So I, I sort of mentioned last week, or the other week, about a bit of a stitch-up with the buyer having 10 days off, but then I suppose playing the Thursday night and then playing Saturday late afternoon gave us that, those couple of extra days, which is nice. So hopefully it all balances out there. But no, huge blockbuster Thursday night. Yeah, it'll be interesting, but yeah, all about the Ds. Coming up Thursday night, it's going to be nice. It's, uh, yeah, can't wait, mate. It's a uh, top-of-the-table clash and, yeah, can really... See what we're at, see where we're at in terms of versing the cats because obviously that is a team that I believe will be there, you know, pointing in like they have in the most you know, in the recent seasons. So that's it. So don't forget you can rate, review, or you can listen to our podcast on all your favorite podcast platforms. A big thanks to our sponsors in Hop and Brewing and Valley Electrical Group. But most importantly, go the D's. Go the D's.